We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm excellent. Thank you, Patrick. Good. We are going to do a Hopper Talk today. Hopper Talk is when you and I uh, use this podcast as an excuse to talk about things <laughs> that are random and not generally what we talk about here. Um, and so usually what I do is I will go on to Reddit or something similar and find some uh, very random questions that I think are interested in, interesting and spark a fun conversation. And then we, uh, we just kind of see where we land, you and I. So we've got five questions, as we often do. Ready for the first one? Let's do it. First one is, what are some cheat codes that you found in the game of life? I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Um, so this is one, uh, one I wish I had known earlier. Mm. Um, investing in low-cost index funds. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it's a, a, it's a total life hack. Yeah. It just is like, I don't think there's anything that's more um, balanced between like the the risk and the reward. Um, and um, particularly if you get one that's a high, high yield dividends. Yep. So it's just like, that's, if I, when I was younger, I got invest, I got interested in the stock market and I've mm -hmm. investing in the stock market since I was about 12 years old. Oh, that's awesome. My dad gave yeah. me uh, some money when I was um, um, 12 and he said, when you're married, when you get married, you have to pay me this back, but anything you earn between now and then is yours. It was awesome. That's really cool. So I started, I invested in Pepsi when I was young and mm -hmm. um, a whole bunch of different stuff. And then in my college years, I invested in, um, oh my God, what was the CMGI? The, the long, they owned Gillette Stadium for a little bit during the okay. internet boom. And okay. Man, I was killing it <laughs> and then it went to zero. <laughs> but that's kind of the thing is like when you invest in individual stocks, yeah. you ride the wave of that one individual, you're, it's, it's so hard and the upside of these index funds is if you believe in the American economy, you, that's what you're investing in. So you just invest in the S&P 500 and it's, you just find a really low cost one and you can go ones that have higher dividend yield because S&P, there's different ones for the S&P. It's not all the same. Mm -hmm. But over time, if I just done, if I just put just that stuff in there that. and just left it, I'd be so much farther along than I am right now. Yeah. I love that. I love this question. I've never thought about cheat codes in life before. It was kind of fun to just kind of stare at the wall and think about, um, <clears throat> and think about maybe what I would consider a cheat code that I've, that I've discovered, if that's the right word. Um, and the thing I came to is not something that I really did on purpose, but I did it with enough intention that I feel like, uh, I can at least say that like, this is what I, I really believe in this and it's making a choice at some point early on, like maybe high school, maybe early in college, making the choice between whether or not you want to be the kind of person who gets really good at one thing, or you want to be the kind of person who gets really good at four or five things, not as good as mm -hmm. you would if you were getting mm -hmm. good at just the one thing. And then choosing the direction of your life, whether it's school, whether it's jobs, whether it's passions, whatever it is, 
based on which one of those two kinds of people you really feel like you are. Are you the mastery type? Mm -hmm. You want to go really deep on one thing. Okay, well, that that should help dictate a lot of decisions going forward. <clears throat> if that's not you, and again, this is this is kind of what I did by accident. I'm the latter. I like getting relatively good at four or five different things and not four or five random things, but four or five complementary things, things that like when you put them up next to each other, it's not one plus one equals two, but it's like one plus one equals five now, right? And so making the decision early on, well, which one of those suits you? Which one of those seems more like where you're going to thrive? And then living and then and then moving it yourself in that direction versus not choosing either of those and not really knowing, mm -hmm. I don't know which, I don't know. Do I do go do that? Do I go do this? Do I study something? Do I, to me that like, if I had been able to recognize that and make that decision in again, late high school, early college, that would have been a lot more helpful than the stumbling around that I did for five, six, 10 years until I finally realized like, Oh, I, I'm kind of pretty good at that. I'm kind of pretty good at that. And I like this thing. And when I combine, when I jam all those things together, that's actually, that's actually valuable. To me, that would have been useful yeah. to, to have been able to do on purpose. I can think of two more that are so unrelated to anything we're talking about. <laughs> do it. That's, that's the randomness of Hopper. But, but the, a cheat code, like what's, yeah. what's a thing. So I think of a cheat code, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a video defined. game thing. It's, yeah, it's sort of exactly. like thing that like, you know, and it's going to like bust you up to the next level yeah, type like thing. Like you get somewhere faster than yeah. because you know this. Um, smiling a lot. Mm. If you smile, a, smiling like just helps so much. Mm -hmm. It is a total cheat code that if you, yeah, if you're in meetings, if you're meeting new people, if you're coaching classes, and part of this reason I realized this is I would watch myself back on video, present something, and I and I wouldn't smile a lot. Mm -hmm. I smile a lot in person, in real life. I smile a lot. But I realized I didn't do that in video. And I would watch other people that I emulate mm -hmm. in terms of their public speaking and how much they smile when they're public speaking. Yep, It's crazy how much of a... Uh, an, an open door, how much that opens people up. Mm -hmm. um, I have another one that's also equally as unrelated, <laughs> which is um, the chili pad. Oh, you you like that? Oh my so god! Tell people that that's a product. So it's a pro. So it's a product that you put underneath your sheet above your mattress of your bed, and it keeps you cool or warm. It can set it to any temperature you want. Incredibly easy. So it's so easy to have and maintain and keep and um but as somebody that runs hot at night and mm -hmm. would wake up so many nights uh, like in a sweat i would if i had i wish i had this mm. you know when i was forever i mean it's like it's <laughs> yeah. so it amazing. leads a little it's, bit into our next question but but okay it's still good, good. no no you Let's don't have go. to I, but i just i just think it's funny um but that's really funny i didn't i didn't realize you had tried that out that's cool um okay so that was some cheat codes um, next question is, uh, as I alluded to what, what has improved your quality of your life so much oh, yeah. that you wish you did it sooner? Yeah, that's okay. So that's so, why that's, that's, a, that's a, what cheat code is, right? Yeah. Like, what would you to like? Degree, yeah. Yeah. It's so, kind of yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah. It makes your life better or, or advances you. Okay. Yeah. You can go first then. Um, okay. So since I already went, <laughs> since you, since you already gave your answer, um, I've said in the, I've said in the past in some episode at some point that having kids, uh, 
was something that, you know, it's interesting. I don't know that it's something that I really, I'm like, oh, I wish I did that at 27 and now, you know, whatever, however old I was. I don't know that that's really the answer. Um, I do think it's one of those things that it's like, oh, you don't realize how much better it is mm. until until you've done it. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's hard not to be like, that would have been cool five years earlier, right? Mm-hmm. That that joy, that, that fun, that enjoyment. Um, but I would say... But again, that doesn't quite fit in because again, I don't, I don't know that I, I really like the the point of life that I that we had kids. So I don't know that exactly is the answer to this question. But the thing I, that I think that I wish uh, that improved my life so much that I wish I'd done it sooner is um, writing every day and writing every day for uh, not as like journaling. I think that's valuable in and of itself as well. But what I mean is like writing every day for an audience. And that's a fancy word, just writing for something that you publish on social, on a blog, on an email, whatever. Um, it's one of those things, like I, th- I think back of myself, I mean, I've, I've wanted to write, I've wanted to be a writer. I've wanted to, con- all that for as long as I can remember. And I remember being in college, like, oh, I should write more. I want to write more. I want to be, I want and I just like, I just never did. Mm. <laughs> like you're, it's one of those things that Austin Cleon, an author is like, do you, would you rather be the, or do you want to be the, the noun or the verb, right? Do you want to be, I want to be a writer or, or do you, or do you want to write? <laughs> mm. Those are different things uh, or they can be different things. So a lot of people want to be the noun without being the verb. Um, and for a long time, I was just like, I want to be the noun, but I never did the verb. And it's only been, you know, I'd say a couple years now um, that I really made uh writing regularly and writing in public regularly a part of my life. And it's, it makes one, it just makes me so much happier, but it also makes me so much better. Um, when you do that, when you, when you set that, when you set yourself up to do that, you, you, you make that kind of promise to yourself. What happens is you, you go through the world looking more, you, you end up, being more aware of what's going on around you because there's some part of you in the back of your head that's like, I'm gonna, I got to write something tomorrow and I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. And so I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to what I'm reading or what I'm listening to. I'm going to pay a little bit more attention in this conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to notice that random thought that just popped in my head in the shower. And even if I don't know what to do with it yet, I'm going to write it down because maybe there's something there. Right. And so it, it creates the opportunity. And, and I would almost say it creates the excuse to be like, I'm just going to start paying more attention to this. I'm going to think, I'm gonna, then I'm going to give myself the opportunity to sit down and actually like, well, what does that mean? Why did that thing, why did I respond to that thing? Or why is that interesting to me? Or, And then I'm going to try to make myself clarify it for myself. And I'm going to do it in a way that is clear enough for somebody else that they kind of understand what I'm thinking about. And so it just forces this, this, uh, it forces somebody, myself, anybody else who tries to do this, it forces you to not just kind of skate by because at some point, you know, you're going to have to kind of examine this a little bit. You're going to have to examine yourself. Why did I do that? Why was that interesting to me? Why did I respond to that? And then can I, can I figure that out in a way that is at least mildly interesting for somebody else? Um, and so just that process to me is so interesting and so invigorating. And on the days that I do it, are bet there are better days than the days that I don't. So that's my answer. That's cool. I, I, there's so many parallels to that too. So you use writing as a way to view the world and it becomes this, um, like bi-directional lens, right? I do that. The same thing with coaching Mm. and with entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. that running a business is the same thing. I'm constantly looking at the world and going, is that a value? Can I put that into um, 
my own ecosystem and put it out in uh, my own, can I disseminate that message in a, in a different way? But it's very, a lot of parallels. Um, so that's really cool. It's cool to hear you actually, that, that explanation of writing, actually, I never really understood why people liked to write, mm. honestly, because I'm, it's not one of me, yeah. but that makes a lot of sense to me now. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Cool. Okay. Um, so mine are, give me the question again. What was it? Uh, what has improved your quality of life so okay. much that you wish you did it sooner? Cool. Um, boundaries. I'll, I'll give you a few. Mm-hmm. You can tell me what you want to talk about. Okay. Boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Buffers. Mm. Breathing. And reading. <laughs> oh, come on. Books. But I, books. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, buffers, boundaries, breathing, and I'm going to say reading. books because I liked all the Bs. Huh. I'd love to know the difference between the boundaries and the buffers and what, okay. what you mean by those, if they're related at all. Yeah, they are. Um, so it has to do with like scheduling. Yep. Um, and boundaries is when I'm um, when I'm doing this, I'm doing this for this time and there's nothing else. And when I come up against that boundary, I'm stopping and going to the next thing. Yep. Case in point... Um, when I, at 5.30, I am done work and I leave work at 5.30, doesn't matter what's going on. That is my boundary. That is the upper echelon of what I'm going to do because I've established that I want to have this balanced life of work and family. And when I go home, I am now at home and there is a boundary. I don't answer text messages. I don't do Slack. I don't do email. I don't even open my computer. It is, I am now doing that thing. Mm-hmm. When in my morning routine, I don't check the other stuff because I want my morning routine to be my morning routine. When I'm working out at the gym, I'm not coaching. I'm working yeah. out and I have these boundaries set to make sure that I am doing the things that I've set to be important and not letting things topple on bleed top in, or yeah. bleed. Exactly right. I'm keeping them in nice organized containers and not spilling it all on the floor. And now I don't know what the heck is going on. Mm -hmm. Buffers um, is a matter of, I used to, and I think you've seen me do this, like run from meeting to meeting Mm -hmm. because I would have a meeting end at two and the next (laughs) meeting started at two. That's right. And that creates chaos. Like that's such a, not a recipe for a calm work environment. So putting a little 15 minute break between all those allows for that just those four or five, maybe 11 minutes after a meeting to have a meaningful conversation out. The magic happens at the water cooler, right? It's things that happen outside the boardroom, not inside the boardroom that are really powerful. And that's created so much calm in my life. Um, I, I, I can't imagine going back mm-hmm. to the other way. Mm-hmm. It's My calendar all now has like yeah. these little buffer times in between everything just 10 or 15 minutes i imagine right yeah is enough yep yeah cool 15 minutes is by you don't need more than 15 minutes yep um but along with that is anyone that so if we were to talk to like my wife she's like always like late for everything except for when she travels to the airport Mm. because then she creates buffers she knows i can't be late to this thing (laughs) so she's so early it's insane yep well imagine if we did that for all the things in our lives we'd have to say no to more things but Mm. it's a good thing and we'd only put the important things in and all the other stuff kind of falls away. Love that. Cool. Okay. Next question. What is criminally overpriced to you? And I think you go first. Irish first one. Um, okay. I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll list a few of them out <laughs> and then you can. Okay. Um, but maybe there's not a lot to talk about because it's just kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Wine. Mm-hmm. Water. <laughs> yep. Oh, um, there's one to talk about. Um, Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So, so we have three beverages. <laughs> and this is probably the one we can talk about. Yeah. 
photography because you're a photographer. I'd love to talk to you about this. Sure. We can definitely talk about that. Um, so let yeah, me, let, before you, the, the photography one, yeah. if I hire a photographer, I have to hire the photographer to come for like, like the wedding. Yeah. I hire the photographer to come and take the pictures. And then at the end of that, they've taken the pictures. I have to buy the pictures from them. <laughs> that's yeah. That's how, is that, am I wrong about that? That's how photography. I think that's wedding photography specifically, but. That I also, don't for sure know. Like I've, that's never been. That, that's happened to, I mean, I, I've, I've experienced that more than just a wedding. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And that's, and it's really expensive. Yeah. Yep. Like to get a shooter to come and shoot yep. is incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. Now, part of this is not, I'm not like, I'm not like poo-pooing it. Yeah. I'm kind of like kudos to the photographers to be able to like make this their way that they it's kind of like you it's kind of like you would go to a restaurant and you pay to get into the restaurant mm -hmm. and then you pay to and eat. then you pay to eat at the restaurant <laughs> that's kind of the way yeah I, it's amazing I, I don't know for sure like i've never experienced how that did that where, even start well i mean it depends on i guess it depends a little bit on what you mean by like buying the pictures so if i let's do the wedding one yeah right if i invite if i invite a hire a photographer to come and shoot my wedding i'm paying for just that i'm paying hundreds of yep. dollars, maybe thousands of dollars for them to do that. Yep. And then they go, uh, if I want the pictures, they're going to give them to me with a watermark on them. Mm -hmm. So I can't use them. And they go, which pictures we like. And now you like have to pay for those. Yeah. I think one of the things that you're talking about that is a little bit odd and I don't, I mean, I can guess at where it came from though. I don't fully know. Um, but it's, it's when somebody takes pictures they actually own the rights to those pictures. Right. And what they're basically doing is they're they're licensing your, especially in a commercial context. I, again, I'm a little bit unsure about the wedding. This is stuff, exactly it. Yes. But it's, Keep going. it's, they're licensing you to have the rights to use that photography. So it does in fact feel like, well, I paid you to take I, the I, pictures and right. I pay you to actually use right. the pictures. But it comes down to who actually is the owner of those of like the, the digital yeah, yeah. means, the media itself. And for whatever reason, and, and again, I don't know because this probably started years and years ago with film and all the things. For whatever reason, when I shoot something or if, if I were to shoot something, I own that. And so you have to pay me then to use them. And I don't know where it came from. I don't know. It, to me, it feels a little odd. <laughs> it feels, it feel, definitely feels a bit strange. Yeah, just, that's why it seems like crazy overpriced to yeah. me. If somebody doesn't get it, I'm going to pay you $1,000 to come and shoot this thing for three hours. Yep. And then you go, okay, like, yeah. And then part of that should be though. I again, get the licensing thing yeah. a little bit. But part of that should be like when you hire somebody to shoot something, implicit in that is some kind of deliverable out of that. And a lot of times, that gets a little bit confusing. He's like, just send me all of them. Well, I can't send you all of them. Cause I, cause if I were to go shoot, uh, let's just call it like, let's just have a, uh, you hire me to go shoot some comp train stuff, right? Yeah. Like in the gym for three hours, I'd shoot like 8,000 photos. Okay. You don't, you're not, you can't do anything with those. Cause one, they're a file type that you can't do anything with. But so if you want some of them, I have to then go in and edit them. And that is kind of what you're paying for on the back end. It takes me some of my, it takes me a lot of skill to shoot them. And then it also takes me quite a bit of skill and time to edit them. And so they're... It, I, and as a user, I just want the photos. I totally understand. But I'm, yeah, <laughs> I completely understand. And that's I'm not, not saying like if, if I'm a restaurant, it takes me yeah. a long time to go shopping for the totally ingredients. Totally understand. It, it takes it me a long time to cook the ingredients. And, it, and I, would, I know some folks that I will ask where the hell this came from. 
But that kind of is what you're paying for twice yeah. is, okay, now I want, okay, I've agreed to a hundred photos. I get it, and, and now, but I just don't agree with it. Yeah. It, I think it's it set up, from, that's what I mean. It's, it was set up by the, the photographers and they did a phenomenal job of it. Good on them. Good on them. <laughs> like the chefs didn't do that. Yeah. The chefs didn't go like, yeah. listen, I know like I'm going to go shopping for the ingredients. Yeah. And then I'm gonna cook that's, them to, for you. That's agreed upon. And then yeah. I'll and then I'll serve them to you. So there's actually three cups. And I'm gonna clean up after it too. Right, so you're right. So you four. That. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that is so wine, water, Starbucks, and one of Starbucks. one of mine, and it's kind of half joking was uh, criminally overpriced is water in the airport. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> which is similar. like four dollars, four fifty for a bottle of water, which seems strange. The other one, I again that that. Uh, we don't have to talk about, but it's health insurance. I think it's just criminally overpriced. Mm. I'm, uh, well, that's that's more than just the that's that. This is a bigger thing. It's um, litigation. Yeah, totally. It's it's because doctors get sued, so the doctors need the totally. coverage, and yep. the co- it's yeah, it's that's a big, huge like the whole insurance yeah. uh, system is. While yeah, health insurance is crazy. Yeah, um, but my real answer might be. Uh, uh, with that, I just have to throw this. It's yeah. like also I'll go college at this point now. Oh yeah. To get someone to go to college, thinking about like systems that are overpriced. Yeah. Like I have I have one in college. And I have one that's a senior in high school going to college next year. Like, even when I went to college, whenever that was, thirty years ago, <laughs> twenty years ago, it was expensive then, but it was like twenty grand, yeah. twenty five grand. Like. A cheap school is like 50 grand now. Yeah. Most of them are 60 or 70. And there's schools that are like 85 grand. Yeah. 85 grand times four? Yeah, because that's it, just the year. That's one year. <laughs> yeah. 85 times four is over a quarter of a million dollars. Think of how long it's going to take that person to earn back that money because they have to pay that back. It's not just earn the money. Because you have living expenses. You have you to have live. You have to for those. Yeah, you yeah. have to pay. Yeah. It's crazy to think how long it takes to pay that back. And then if you're a, a, a professional, like a lawyer or an accountant or a um, doctor, you have to go for even more school. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy yeah. crap. Yeah, that's a whole other. Yep, I agree. Okay, but I'll cut you off. No, no, no. Other one? All good. So uh, my my actual answer, or the answer I kind of came to, which is a bit of a... a an interesting one when looked at through this lens is I think one thing that's criminally overpriced is social media in the sense of it's free, but it's not. Ah, there we go. Because we are, because we pay for it in things that are equally valuable to our money. We Look pay for it. You. Time. Oh my See? gosh. Right? I've been Whoa, listening to Patrick. excellence. So we pay for it with our time. <laughs> we pay for it with our attention. We pay for it with our energy. And if you look at both on an individual level, what those costs are, and we can agree that those costs are relatively high. And if we look at it on a cultural level, we can, we are living in a moment where we see the cost of this across communities, across states, across the country, across the world. Social media is incredibly expensive. We just, it just doesn't take our, it doesn't directly take our money. So we don't think about it as something that is expensive. What about the argument that it's created more opportunities, leveled the playing field, I think, uh, allowed more people to build their own brand mm-hmm. and explore different things that they wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, I think that that's, that's completely true. But I think if you were to look at it as net negative and net positive across 
everybody, far more people have suffered from social media than have benefited from. I would agree. With you. And now that said, you and I were do like this is part, like we're part of it. We've benefited to some degree, and so it's not as if there isn't benefit. Mm-hmm. It's that most people, if we were to average it all out, most people haven't benefited from social media. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of people who benefited a ton. And a lot of people have suffered a ton. And when you when you average all of that out, probably most of us have suffered for it. Cool. Overpriced without the without dollars being associated. Right. Ready? Next question. Let's do it. What seems harmless but is actually dangerous? Social media. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of like the it's, same. This could be this. If it's you funny. Check it your way, it could be the yeah, same type totally. of thing. Yeah. It's funny. I don't, I, when I pick these, I, they are, I can't tell you how randomly I choose these questions. I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. Throw it in there. Yeah. And every time I sit down to think about answers, I'm like, oh, that's kind of related to that one. Even though well, our first two even though, super exactly, related. These next even though they're not at all on yeah. my mind that mm-hmm. they're related when I start. Okay. What seems harmless, but is actually dangerous. Um, this one, I'm, I might, I just, people probably, people won't like this one, but I think that, um, what seems, what, I'm probably going to love it then. Yeah, you probably will. It seems harmless, but is actually dangerous is, and I don't exactly know how to phrase it, but it's choosing, making choices to us that allow us to temporarily escape reality instead of facing it. And which is another way of saying alcohol. That's another way of saying video games. It's another way of saying online shop, like all of these things that, Oh God, I'm feeling just social media. I'm feeling uncomfortable. What can I possibly mask that discomfort with? Ah, cool. Alcohol makes me feel a little bit better. Smoking makes me feel better. Weed does. Uh, Porn does. Social media does. Whatever it is in the moment, it's like, ah, it's just a drink. It's just two drinks, whatever. It's just, we get high. But in the aggregate, what happens every time you feel uncomfortable and you choose one of those things and you choose to play two hours of video games instead of have a hard conversation or like whatever it is you're replacing the difficult thing with in this moment, this makes me feel better and I kind of need to relax and, and emotional eating. Yeah, exactly. Like yep. whatever it is. And I, like we all have it. So it's not as if I'm, I'm just I'm up here uh, pointing fingers at people. Like I, I, I do it just as much as anybody, but that to me is the thing that in the moment it's like, ah, it's harmless. Not a big deal. It's just a glass of wine. It's just a couple of glasses of wine. It's just, it's just a couple hours of video games. It's just, uh, whatever. I'm just scrolling on Instagram, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just another, it, just one more episode of Netflix. But in the aggregate, when you put all those things together, all those moments, all those decisions, all those opportunities to go, uh, hide from the reality. Cause it's a little bit uncomfortable and it's easier than I'm just going to sit in this for a few more minutes, or I'm just going to sit in there. So I'm going to deal with this we get in the habit of choosing the hi- the hiding the 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 not facing reality and that's i just think that that's dangerous love that yeah okay give me the question again what's what does what seem, seem dangerous what seems harmless but is actually okay. dangerous um all ibuprofen mm <laughs> such a specific answer <laughs> love that index funds yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I hope like people take it like they just pop it like, Oh, I got a sore thumb. I'll oh, interesting, yeah. pop a couple Advil, pop a, pop a couple Tylenol. <laughs> but first off, um, it's numbing the pain, not fixing mm-hmm. it. And from trauma to healing, the healing time is actually longer. If you take an ibuprofen or an NSTAD or something 
yeah. you know, Tylenol, Advil, one of those things. And secondarily, it it's bad on your gut lining. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's harmful. It's a harmful thing. So I think these are things that people just kind of like yeah. take for whenever and athletes do it. Mm. They're like, oh, I'm so sore, man, I'm dying. Just like pop four Advil and I'm good to go. It's like in a competitive setting, I would recommend that yeah. because it's not about the long-term health. It's about getting through the event and performing as well as you can. And you're going to take the short-term pain relief for the long-term negative effects, potentially your choice. But to do it like here or there, it's kind of like what you're saying is people yeah. just kind of do this as like a habitual habit that yep. they don't even think about. So that would be one. And then the, that's like a real kind of like. Yeah, I like that. Um, but then the more elusive ones to me would be kind of along your, th- it would be watching the news. Mm. It's just like, it's just, you're so getting pulled away from your circle of influence to the circle of concern. Yep. And you're so surrounding yourself with more things, the reticular activation system of what you look for, you see more of. So you see all this negative stuff. You're going to see more negative stuff. And just watch the news and see how many things are popping up that are lack of a better Like they're, they're just scare tactics. It's just trying to, it's trying, it's the news was originally intended for what it we think it is, which is informational purposes. When the networks came out, the, the, the government mandated that they have a news program. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, the news became the highest rated thing, outsourcing the things that they had to do yep. just to be a viable as like a goodwill to society thing. So they turned it into entertainment. Yep. And that's where it switched. News is entertainment, but yet it's the same thing as social media. It's the same thing to me where it's this negative drip, 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 net negative than net positive. People go, no, you have to know about what's going on in Ukraine. I'm not saying, mm-hmm. totally agree. Mm-hmm. Understand what's going on in Ukraine and do something about it. What I'm saying is the constant drip of the negativity of things outside, that's what we have to be aware of because it is detrimental. And another one to me would be kind of a Ben Bergeron thing would be uh, gossip and or complaining. Yeah. Like they just, gossip in the meantime just seems like this little thing, like we're just shooting the crap about Billy, Bob, or Susie. And we don't realize how harmful that is, especially if you do it in the long run. Same thing with complaining. It's so easy. And we love to complain because, by the way, both of those things are like so driven by the ego. Mm -hmm. Your ego, the fastest way to elevate your ego is by to bringing someone else down. Mm. Either complaining about somebody else or saying something bad about somebody else boosts you and your ego. It just feeds this thing inside of you that you need to feel important. Yeah, I I obviously thought about complaining here. I I just assumed that you were going to give the answer. So good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question we've got, and this one was actually this one. I don't know if I have an answer to this, but I'm curious yours, and I'm, I'm I'll stumble towards one. Looking back at COVID, which is of course assuming that it is behind us, um, which hopefully it is. Looking back at COVID, what are some of the most valuable lessons you've learned? I would say two. So COVID was in the midst of it. I, I didn't think it was like. Hmm. I don't know. It was just, it was strange. Okay. Mm. Like I, yeah. I, that's such an obvious statement, but running a business and like, so the biggest lessons I learned were through leadership Yeah. and the, the importance of something that I talked about being important, but probably didn't do as well as I could have. And it's communication. Mm-hmm. Like 
such a big part of leadership is constantly communicating. And what we had to do during COVID, because we didn't have the opportunity to be in front of people, meaning like at the gym every day, is we had to hold town halls and meetings and messaging and constantly. And it's so easy to dismiss, kind of what we were talking about the last one, dismiss these small things like, well, I don't need to do that right now. But those that is so important of staying in front. Mm-hmm. And I really learned a lot about leadership the hard way um, through the COVID experience. Mm-hmm. The next was the really early days of COVID when we shut down the gym and man, like it became real that this was going to last more than two weeks. Yeah. Um, like the business was, was on the brink was that was a pretty stressful time. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, to the point where my stress hasn't recovered since then. Mm. So I wear a wearable, I wear whoop. Yep. It measures your stress. My HRV, which is a measure of stress, the higher it is, the less stress you have basically, um, was kind of off the charts. Mm. Like Matt O'Keefe was like, we've never seen this before. Like what, what the heck? You're higher than every games athlete. Mm. Like you're the, f- and the, we, yeah. we thought it was a measure of fitness when we first got HRV. We didn't yeah. know. We were really early on in the whoop game. We were, they, they beta tested a lot of it with us. They're like, oh my God, it's a measure of fitness and Ben should be at the game. I'm like, I'm not fit. I just have no stress, bro. I was so chill. Yeah. I was so chill. Yeah. Um, COVID changed that. changed that and it hasn't come back, mm-hmm. like, which is really weird. Um, my HRV used to be in like the 180s, 90s, sometimes mm-hmm. 200. And now it's in the round the 120s mm-hmm. on the good. And during the stressful days, obviously it's in the 70s or 60s. Um, Really low arteries for some people can be in the 20s or 30s, but um, it was stressful. And what I recognized was the antidote to anxiety is action. Mm-hmm. That was a big, massive lesson I learned through there because I had all the like the businesses failing, yeah. all of these things pulling in so many people getting sick, and all this like. How do we train elite athletes? And yeah, uh, so many different factors, right? And um, not to mention the normal things of like people, you know, dying, uh, right. you know, and having to do with all like, the state mandates and all the rest. Um, and I was stressed maximally for a very long period of time. And then finally had this thing where I was like, I'm going to leave the house. I'm going to come to this office that we're in right now write everything I need to do on the whiteboard. And I listed out like 50 things. Mm-hmm. And I just started going with what's the easiest thing, not the biggest, most, what's the easiest thing to accomplish. And I would just do that thing. I would just, what's the next easiest. And I would do that thing. What's the next progress just to make some progress. And that action started snowballing, speaking up and started feeling good. The dopamine response, like I'm getting stuff done and like, holy cow. And that really helped elite that. That was really it turned it into an, an exciting time. Still stressful, but in the way that like you are when you're starting a business, yeah. exciting. Mm-hmm. And it changed it from stress to excitement. Yep. Because you started pushing instead of letting, being pushed, right? Instead, yeah, instead of just sitting here, letting the forces move me and kind of like I'm a victim to this whole thing. It was no, like I'm going to take some action. I'm not going to be a bystander. I'm going to be a participant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, make this happen. And it's just, it's the, it's the life hack. It could have been the answer to the first one is 
action is the antidote to anxiety. Like if you are feeling stressed, the worst thing to do is sit there and mull that over. Mm-hmm. It's Einstein's quote, which I'm going to butcher in some way, but if if we have the same thought process trying to solve problems that created the problems, <laughs> yep. we're going to get that's yeah. that's that's craziness. Yeah. We need to get out of that and start working. Yeah. We start making it happen. Put the boots on the ground and actually yeah, and, do some work. And in work. some degree, I imagine it almost didn't matter. It doesn't matter the what direction it is. You nope. <laughs> nope. You, you have to stop thinking. From you have way. to stop thinking. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is, big, small, impactful, not impactful. Yeah. Because you have to build, measure, learn. You have to start, you have to, you have to build, you have to do something, cross them off your to-do list to learn something to move forward in the next thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, what's yours? You've had right, time so, to think about it. When- yeah, I've had some. <laughs> uh, so I think that the 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 biggest lesson for me, like, and you know this, but we had a we had a baby in April of 2020, like right at the start, which is I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> but one of the you know one of the things that kind of because we had to that we kind of constantly like okay, yep, we can do it. It's just ones of our everybody's ability to just adapt and move forward. I think is so much greater than we ever give ourselves credit for. We, and it's greater than we ever kind of force upon ourselves because we all like, you know, homeostasis. We all like, okay, I got my thing. I know how to do this. We got, we do that this way. And, and I think one of the biggest lessons for the last couple of years is that we're all so much more capable of doing things differently than we're willing to admit or willing to acknowledge or willing to embrace Mm. But like, yeah, like lots of COVID sucked, lots and lots and lots of it. But man, there were some things that we're going to look back and say, oh yeah, no, that was a good thing that came out of it. And there were things that, there are things that, or they are things that nobody was like, you, we got to do it this way now, guys. We've got to change. It's time to innovate. It's time to to get out of the status quo. Um, but that is oftentimes what we need. We need to be pushed out of the comfort so that we can figure out how to do it a little bit better. Um, and so I'm really interested to see what, you know, work looks like in five years. You know, we've talked about that a lot. Like where, how do you get all the benefits of of the the, the thing you're building over at Comtrain, that office, that like that shared space, and also the amazing things that can happen with each, with, with individual health or balance or whatever, when like, okay, yeah, you don't have to come here on Fridays, right? Like what happens when everybody gets to have a, find a little, and that wasn't going to come unless it was forced upon people. It just wasn't like everybody was too comfortable. What's school going to look like, right? We talked about how expensive college is. What's it going to look like in 10 years when, when we've learned a lot of things from this experience. And I just, I just think that's the biggest lesson. It's, it's a reminder that we are infinitely adaptable. And so we can either wait for the universe to say, well, damn it, Patrick, adapt now. Or we can say, or we can, we can, the lesson can be, where do I need to adapt? And yeah, maybe nobody's going to make me do it, but where can I, where should I, and where am I going to? And that's within, that's something within our ability today, last year, a year from now. That's, that's a skill that we can develop, that sort of perspective, that sort of mindset. And it's almost always better to figure out where to adapt and where to push and where to change than it is to wait till you have to. 
And so that's the biggest lesson for me is just a, just a reminder of you can either, you can either choose to be uncomfortable and change, or you can have to get uncomfortable and then change. And one of those is better than the other. And for anywhere that we were able to, you know, I think what your story, what you just said, which I love, which is like, okay, there was an, there was a moment where you were being forced to change. And then there was a moment where you decided, no, I'm going to change. I'm going to figure out what needs to happen to change. And that was the unlock from, oh, geez, to, or right, let's do this. It's that mindset, that shift. And for me, it's just a matter of like, well, what happened? Like, can you do that next Tuesday? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not every Tuesday, but occasionally, occasionally every Tuesday you can. We are, we are, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for how adaptable we, like how fast people adapted to like homeschooling uh-huh. and the whole yep. country was homeschooling. Yep. And, and how- yeah, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. People didn't like, but, but oh man, God. it happened. It happened for fast. Sure. Yes. That, <laughs> yep. like the new norm settled in real quick. Yeah. And we all adjusted to like, oh, okay, what does this look like without school? What does this look like? You know, again, just thinking about the, having the bit like, Michelle and I had a whole plan. Like we were a family over. We're gonna, they were going to help us with the kid and the, we had nothing. Got home. We were like, sorry guys, can't see you for six months. Right. What did we do? We figured it out. Right. Wasn't easy. Wasn't always fun. But when you're, when you recognize, okay, well, I guess I have to do this. Then you recognize, okay, well, how do we do that as well as we can? And again, that's something we can do on purpose. Very cool. Yeah. I'm a man. That was a hopper talk. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Hopefully that was good. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.